I owe the freedoms and rights I enjoy as a woman to courageous individuals who fought very hard for women's rights despite the fact they were ridiculed or even persecuted. Hello, I'm Radka and welcome to the Authenticity Project. Today's episode is a tribute to feminists, women and men who fought and still continue to fight for equal rights of women and men. Let's name a few rights women now are able to enjoy that perhaps we take for granted without even realizing they were once considered a criminal offense or were just a dream. The right to vote and to run for office, the right to obtain higher education, the right to access contraceptives and abortion, the right to own property and have access to a bank account, sometimes even the right to drive your own car. All these would have been unthinkable for women in the West over a hundred years ago. While some people think feminism these days is redundant, I think it's still needed to have conversations that ignite further action. Whether it's to change the discourse and narrative on normative gender roles in the society, or to battle everyday sexism, or even ensure stricter law enforcement regarding sexual and domestic violence on women. Just a simple fact that white women in Canada earn 74 cents on the dollar compared to men should be a proof that not everything is peachy when it comes to gender equality and equity and that discussion and action taking need to continue. And by the way, women of color and disabled women make even less than white women. In my talk today, I will be discussing gender biases with Maria, who is a feminist, passionate cyclist, and a language enthusiast. Hi, Maria. How are you doing? Hi, Radka. Great. How are you? Pretty well. Thanks for asking. Welcome to the Authenticity Project. I'm so happy you're, you were able to join me today. Thank you for having me. You know, when you and I first connected via phone um, some time ago, um, you talked about a lot of your interests and sort of your life. And one thing that really, for some reason, stuck. Um, was that you called yourself the Jill of all trades, which definitely, I think that's that was the moment when I thought, okay, I, I want to talk about gender and feminism with you. So is there any back-end story associated with this? Why, why did you call yourself Jill of all trades? So uh, it's, it's an interesting um, kind of nickname. Um, I... I love learning new things and I, I, I tend to pick them up fairly quickly and, you know, I, I don't, I want to be modest and humble, but at the same time, things kind of sort of come easily to me. Right. So I, I try something and, and I pick it up. And uh, so I, I have a lot of different skills that come in very handy. Um, it's, it's, it's a great thing. I sometimes feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, the expression, Jack of all trades, master of men. So mm-hmm. uh, I can feel that sometimes. Um, you know, there's there's always more to learn and you can always do something better. But I love being able to know as much as possible about uh, different handy skills or different topics or um, culturally. So so whatever it may be, I, um, I like to immerse myself in it, kind of master it as much as possible. I know that you, you do like learning new languages and 
I always find so let's let's talk about that a little bit. I always find English when it comes to gender um, to be pretty good in a sense that it's not as gender focused focused as other languages. So you know, so it's not as problematic or questionable some of the terms in the English language has. Um, so to you know, like to give you an example, firefighter or spokesperson, you know, you can you can change the word that had gender sort of subtext into something that's more neutral. Whereas there are languages, um, and I know you speak Spanish and French, that are a little bit more gender specific. So it can almost be problematic when you talk to someone because you have to be very careful in terms of the gender and what, what gender you use. So you wouldn't call a woman, I don't know, uh, an actor in French, you would call her an actress, right? So mm -hmm. and I, I think it applies to all these different words in, in let's say French or Spanish, uh, but in English, it is a little bit more neutral. So what is, uh, what is your experience with, with other languages when it comes to gender? So it's interesting because when you grow up in a certain language, you don't realize how ingrained gender differences with words are in, in how you think. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you said English is more gender neutral. Um, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But I, I grew up with Russian, which mm -hmm. also has the concept of gender. Um, so, you know, the sun is, is, is female, for example. Why mm -hmm. is the sun female? It, you know, it just is. There's no necessarily rhyme or reason as to why words have a certain gender. Um, yep. But I don't think that I spent enough time um, in Russia or, you know, in, in France or in Spain, like I grew up in Canada. So I don't think of words necessarily as having a gender. Uh, I don't, um, when I speak those languages. And, and most of the time it just sounds funny to people. Um, but coming back to English, there was, a, I read an article that was super interesting about um, how literature tends to describe women in a certain way and men in a certain way. And mm -hmm. so when you start reading at a very young age, you know, women, they have long hair and they have soft lips and um, curvy bodies, you know, and these are, uh, there, there was like a, a statistical analysis of the words used to describe women and the words used to describe men. And so if you're a big reader, you um, almost subconsciously take in these descriptions of what men and women should look like based on mm -hmm. what you read. And then you start forming these ideas of, of men and women, uh, of the perceived, you know, prototype of what they should be like. And I'm sure the same thing exists in, in other languages, but English, instead of maybe, maybe English is gender neutral with fighter or spokesperson, but the adjectives um, that are used to describe men and women or um, the kind of verbs, the action verbs, um, women aren't maybe as aggressive typically when they're described as men, right? Or then um, you use different words to describe them. So English yeah. is very rich and it's interesting how it's taken up. Uh, you don't even realize it necessarily, but there are still very much differences in how um, we talk about men and women in English. Oh, well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like you, there are specific um, adjectives to your point that have very specific gender subtle. Just like, just to name a few, like if I say tough or forceful, or decisive, stubborn, emotional, rational, like it's almost like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's almost like mm -hmm. you already associate a specific gender to these, to these words. And what's, what's like the most, I guess, offensive to me is when someone calls someone a pussy, because that's just basically to express someone's weakness, 
and right. it, it's it's like right there um, on the line, and and you hear it all the time. You know, if if a woman is decisive, you don't call her decisive. You call her, I don't know, bitchy or bossy, right? It's it's a very different category you would use for a man. And in fact, one of my old old bosses in one of my old jobs, he would often call, oftentimes call me tough, which I think he meant it as a as a compliment. The subtext there was, oh, you know, you're more like me. You're not emotionally. You don't you don't show your emotions. You're tough. You're you're good. Right. And he almost had to probably qualify you as tough because it's not something he came across potentially often in women. Um, Well, we don't tend to be rewarded when we're tough necessarily (laughs) or assertive or aggressive or outspoken. Um, Sometimes people, um, especially the older generation, don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. working with women who aren't uh, what they're used to. Right. Um, in a, in a professional setting. And yeah. so I'm sure he meant it in a complimentary way, but the fact that he had to highlight that, it was like, oh, you're, you're pretty tough, you know? I, I don't know the whole story, but... Um, it's, yeah, it's... yeah. I, I think that's, that's what, he was, what he was thinking. And he, he's, a, he's a great guy. And I think he, mm-hmm. he would probably even consider himself a feminist, but it's something that you... You know, we all have our biases and we all... Oh, you can't control them all the time. And I think that's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but better than to be called bitchy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you think bitchy, even even I'm sure you and I have a conception of what does bitchy mean? You know, you start to picture a certain kind of person. And right. um, it just means it. often it's referring to a, they're using that description for a woman who's speaking her mind or um, not just going along with an idea that's proposed or speaking up if somebody's taking credit for her work, right? Um, yeah. Or is particularly, um, you know, uh, stands for ground. And those are all good things. Um, if you have an idea that you uh, believe is correct, you, you find a way to, to um, you know, promote that and promote yourself. And that's not always something that's looked upon kindly. And yeah. The the frustrating thing is I find myself, depending on the situation, accommodating, you know, so I, I change how I speak because it's it's almost been ingrained in me that I, I need to speak a certain way if I want to get something accomplished. Right. And, it's, and you should it's look, very... you should also look pretty and smile a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like if you don't smile a lot, then something's wrong. And I'm a very smiley person. So unfortunately, it's something that I, I can't always turn off. So I'm excited about something that's, that's my personality. Uh, and, and actually, um, about, well, before COVID started, when we were still at the office, one of my coworkers who had um, recently joined the team, uh, he, he came up to me and was like, hey, you know, you're always so positive. How, how do you do it? You know, what's, what's your secret? <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and it's, it's something that you don't, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of born with certain traits. And I didn't really know what to say. I was kind of taken aback. And I find because I'm, I try to be a comforting and kind of nurturing figure that when I am in situations where I need to speak up and I'm not so smiley, people really notice it and they think something's wrong. And I, I have to find a way to, to balance 
my natural disposition with also not letting people, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah. So even those qualities such as being nurturing, I think that's sometimes, and I, I don't want to make any general statements, but I think that's also sometimes perceived as weak uh, or very feminine, right? Guys are tough and women are nurturing. So mm-hmm. it, I can I can imagine that it could, it can be a little bit confusing if you are typically a nurturing positive person and then one time you don't smile <laughs> and suddenly you're this tough person. Yeah, and and I find that increasingly I have to be tougher just just to to promote some sort of change or to to see something um, done in a different way. I am very much interested in finding out how this whole COVID-19 is going to pan out for women and specifically sort of women in workplace and and salaries, right? Because you already have a pay gap and that's under normal so-called normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this is going to impact women, especially those that are mothers and have children that they have to take care of for some reason throughout history women were always expected to make sacrifices to take care of children for instance so I really wonder how this is going to work out in the end and if the pay gap for instance will uh, will be more significant than it already is yeah I think that they've already um it's even in just five months there's already been um, a lot of women who've been fairly outspoken about how their husbands just expected them to take care of the children or take care of the house, you know, that the husbands can, are continuing to work as they did before and um, just assuming that everything else will get taken care of, right? Um, unfortunately, women a lot of the time tend to not speak up. They just will do something. They'll take an action. They'll clean or they'll do this for the child if there's a child or they'll just do it. Um, their spouses might not even realize that they're doing that. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really changing the, the necessity for much more open communication than maybe was available before because, you know, if your kids were going to school or they were going to daycare, then you had that additional support. And now it's, um, it's changed a lot. The, the pay gap is actually an interesting question because definitely between men and women, but also between people of different, um, from different countries because now that remote work is a thing. You know, um, if somebody has the same skills and they are in a different part of the world where the cost of living is much lower then a company might, you know, it's, it's suddenly opened up the market so much. So now you're, if you're looking for jobs, you're competing with people not in Toronto, but uh, in, in America or in Europe or in South America or in, in Asia. Um, yeah, definitely. That part is very interesting to me. Um, so th- this is like a very straightforward question, very, I guess, blunt. Um, would you, would you say that you call yourself a feminist? I would say, I, I don't like, I would say, yes, I'm a feminist, but then there, there is also, we were talking about conceptions of men and women. There's conceptions of feminists that they, um, I think, I think we're in the third wave of feminism now which actually says I, the fact that I'm not 100% sure um, <laughs> speaks volumes, I think. But yeah, so we're in the third wave of feminism where in the first wave they were super outspoken and they burned their bras and, you know, very um, 
very loud relative to what came before, right? Which some you you know sometimes you have to be loud to to get yourself uh, properly heard. And then second wave feminism, there was kind of a return to I don't I don't even know how to properly describe it, but um, it was more subdued. And now we're in this not limbo necessarily, but um, some people are afraid to call themselves feminists mm-hmm. because of the conceptions that are um, that exists around that, right? Um, but yes, I am from the perspective of I, I'm very stubborn, and I want to say that I can do anything that anybody can do, regardless of gender. You know, um, I would I I I hate when you're boxed in based on your gender, and that people. Um, are surprised when you can achieve certain things because of your gender. Like that's completely um, irrelevant. And if somebody has a um, a motivation to do something, there's a way to do it. And so, a hundred percent, I am all for anybody being able to do what they want to do. And your gender, maybe you'll approach it in a different way based on your personality and and how you've grown up and everything. Um, but your gender is not, I would say, a determining factor for your abilities and should never hold anyone back. Definitely, I, I agree with that. And when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s, I was more of a um, activist, I guess you could call me. I would go to these like marches and things. Um, and then at some point I, I thought, well, People don't respond to it well. They think you're this angry woman that doesn't even shave her legs and hates men, right? That's sort of like the stereotypical um, image of a feminist, a female feminist. And so I, for, for the longest time, I would just wouldn't even have conversations about it. Now I'm, I'm starting to think, well, well, what's wrong with being called a feminist or considering yourself a feminist? Like, what's, why don't you like equality? Why don't you... You know, why don't you buy into these values? What's what's wrong with that? So it, I think I'm more at peace with that word now. But I know even for myself, when I was when I started learning about feminism, when I was doing my initial research, it almost it was almost like a dirty word, um, something that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't really call yourself if you wanted mm-hmm. to take it seriously. Yeah, and I, I, I do. I would say that um, I speak up in situations where. Uh, on, a, on a daily basis where I hear something that um, bothers me about how somebody refers to women or to men or whatever the case may be, I, I speak up. You know, uh, I have a group of guy friends that um, I, I play tennis with, right? And they tend to, unfortunately, one of them speaks in a certain way that really bothers me. And I have, I just completely stop him now. Like he'll, we'll be talking about a female athlete and he'll start talking about how she looks and I'm, I call him out on that. Like that's completely irrelevant um, to his her skill, right? Mm-hmm. She's a top level athlete, um, elite athlete, and what she looks like doesn't inform how she plays at all. So why are we talking about her looks, right? Um, it's it's actually a lot, of, a lot of my examples, I guess, come from sports. But um, women have entered athletics like relatively late. Even um, for example, the sport of like ultra marathon running, right? Um, men have been doing it for decades, and I think women only started in the 70s. And well, because to, to be fair, women weren't really allowed. Like, th- this is right. where, sorry to interrupt, but this is sort of the, where the conversation starts. Like, I had a conversation once with a guy who said, well, if women were smart, 
why have you never heard of any female philosophers? And I thought, well, hmm, let me think. I don't know any. What does it mean? I'm, I, I knew he wasn't right. I, I knew women were smart, but I just didn't know yeah. what the reason was. And then you have to go back and, and, and do your research. Why? Why were not women educated? Well, because they were not allowed to be educated for centuries. The same with sports. Um, they weren't allowed to participate or compete in, in national competitions. It was just, but sorry, go ahead. I just got no, yeah, no, completely. Um, I mean, when women were allowed to study or they were allowed to publish something, they frequently had to change their name so that it either sounded gender neutral or was a, mm -hmm. um, a male pen name. Um, to be able to get published. Uh, and there were certainly women throughout history that uh, are remembered and get, um, you know, like Simone de Beauvoir and Anais Nin, like there are um, figures throughout history, um, but not definitely not the same uh, numbers um, as, as men or um, it's just a shame because you know that you know that there were bright women <laughs> this whole time. Like yeah. as soon as there was a bright man, there were there were women that were figuring things out, right? So you just women very frequently don't necessarily need credit, right? Um, and I find that for myself too. Like I don't necessarily always put my hand up and be like, "Hey, you know, I did that. I I do something, but I don't um, demand the credit for it." Whereas men are like, "No, I need a. This is my territory. I did this," and uh, they end up. Uh, being written about in history books, right? And um, women may not have, um, they definitely weren't allowed or they were, um, it was stamped out of them or uh, cultivated out of them, you know, as they grew up, depending uh, on which society they grew up in. It maybe was not, it was definitely not encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, so so now there's so many things changing and it's it's changing at a fairly good pace, but not, not enough, right? There's still so much, there's still a really long way to go. Um, and a lot of things to unwrap in, like, I, I find that I, you know, you still want to feel pretty, but like, why do I want to feel pretty? Where did that come from? Is that something that I was born with or that was taught, yeah. you know? And yeah. what, what does pretty mean? Um, and then, uh, you know, when you look at the makeup business, which is like a, what is it, $400 billion business, like mm. I, I just wear mascara. That's it, right? But I know that there are a lot of women who have skin um, skin issues and um, they don't feel comfortable, right? And who told them that they shouldn't feel comfortable? Where yeah, where's the, there's this whole? Uh, I just saw this great thing today that said um, uh, there's a, a feminist cartoonist that I follow on Animator. Sorry, she's an animator on Instagram and and she's very vocal. I love her stuff. But she was saying how if you know if you wake up and you're feeling crappy about yourself you don't look how you want to look or whatever reason just remember that there's a bunch of rich white dudes that are getting richer based yeah. on you feeling that way these conglomerates of like Estee Lauder and L'Oreal and I don't even know there's so many of them right like they want you to feel bad about yourself so that you put more makeup on your face to cover it up right yeah I think so. it starts at a very early age now I have a, a I have a daughter and um just, just when you go to a store and you want to shop for clothes or toys even, it's so very gender specific. So, of course, pink is for girls, blue is for boys, and there's very little color in between. You get occasionally yellow or gray. So it's like you're conditioned from a very, very early age. And then what's even more important 
are the toys that you buy for your kids or the books you sort of read. And I think that's sort of what we have to, as a parent, that's what I have to really be careful about if I want her to grow up in a, in a, in a different way. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a girly girl wanting to dress up and put on makeup. Sure, do it if you want to. But I don't want her to be thinking, this is what I have to do. This is my role as a, as a woman or as a girl. Mm-hmm. How I should mm-hmm. present myself to the world. So you as a parent, you have to be really careful. Like even like story stories or fairy tales that you read to your children. Um, my mother always laughs at me. She says, oh, you, you overthink everything. But I'm thinking, no, this is like the, the stories you tell your kids. They're wonderful. They, they remember everything. They pick up everything so fast. This is what's going to be stuck with them forever. Like those fairy tales about princesses being saved by, you know, beautiful knights and, and all that stuff. This mm-hmm. is where it, I think this is where it all starts. 100%. Uh, our concepts of how a relationship should be like you have to almost unlearn all of these things when you're an adult. And it's yeah. so much harder when you're, you know, in your 30s to like, okay, I need to, this, this bit that's ingrained in me of, of, of how people should meet or, or how men should behave, you know, in a, in a, in a straight relationship, uh, but um, that, which is what's normally portrayed, right? Like there's so, mm-hmm. it's very limited the kind of relationships that we, we often see or read about. And, and we all end up internalizing that and then having to figure out how to undo that. <laughs> Yeah, true. I and find your voice. Yeah, so. and and I think the problem is also with with lack of role models, especially for girls and women. I think it's it's getting better, but but still, like women are still pioneers in so many areas, and oftentimes there are no relevant role models. Even when I was growing up, I don't even remember having one, let alone a female one that I could really relate to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing to talk about, but I had a poster of Kurt Cobain and Orlando Bloom on my wall when I was 13, you know? There's nothing, nothing embarrassing about that. <laughs> well, now I'm now I'm embarrassed because Orlando Bloom is such a, you know, definitely not my type such anymore, pretty, but... pretty man. He's <laughs> such a pretty man. Um, Kurt Cobain I thought was super cool because I was really into Nirvana and trying to learn guitar, but... Um, yeah, it wasn't that I had um, posters of, of women up on my wall that I aspired uh, to to be, you know. Um, and even though I would say that my parents never made me feel like I couldn't do something or shouldn't do something because I was a woman. Um, and, you know, I was, I'm the oldest in my family, the oldest of three. There's me, my younger sister, my younger brother. So um, as the oldest, I just naturally took on a lot of um, responsibility. And I never felt like they thought I wasn't capable. So I had a, a lot of support from my parents for to try whatever I wanted to try. You know, they sent us to science classes and math classes and piano and guitar and art. So they really gave us an opportunity to try and, and see what we what we were what we could be good at, what we liked. Um, so from that perspective, that was great. But I wouldn't say that um, you know you're thinking now about how to read to your daughter so that she starts picking these um, things up earlier. You know, um, they didn't really give me many examples of powerful women, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and certainly you don't, I didn't have that growing up in elementary school um, that I can remember explicitly. It's not easy at all, but you have to be, you know, you're, you said your mom says that you, 
you overthink it, but you have to overthink it because if you don't, yeah, um, you end up, you end up just change. like your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Who thinks it'll be the same yeah. way. Um, exactly. I think what's really problematic when it, so education, I think is key. It's how you can sort of battle this issue with this gender inequality in the world. I think you have to start with education. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the problem with it is that it's, written through a specific lens so history i love history but it's always so subjective in a way because it is written through a specific lens and for the most part that lens is male so you know within that framework you won't even find out about important women or or female historic figures um because it's it's just not it's just not how it's taught so i think it really starts with really kids um unless you really as an adult want to educate yourself and, and dig a little deeper, you really have to start at the grassroots. And, and teach kids to ask questions if something doesn't make sense to them. Right. Um, and yeah. really encourage them to be curious. I know it's, uh, you know, I, I don't have any children. Um, I hope to someday, but it's, it's, it can be very tiring and exhausting to constantly be getting questions about things. Right. But if you don't encourage that behavior to question, then it gets lost very quickly. And I find that a lot of people are just happy to accept the status quo. Right? Mm -hmm. like, well, that's, that's just, and, and not just with, you know, gender roles, but with anything. Um, it's like, well, that's, that's how we do it. That's the process or that's how we've always done it. And so progress is slow because people aren't encouraged to ask questions and um, they're almost dismissed. So I see this at work. I, I work in talent acquisition. So my job is to basically find talent and, and hire them for the company that mm -hmm. I work for. And and I'm not talking about this current company I'm working for in, in, in case this was going to be used against me. But in, <laughs> in the past, I had tough conversations with hiring managers that would tell me not to hire someone because of their gender. So it was mostly women they didn't want to hire because mm -hmm. um, their their rationale was, well, she's female, she's engaged, she's going to be focused on planning her wedding and then she's going to have kids. So why would I invest in someone like that? That was like one of those arguments. Or if they decided to go with a female candidate, they would never offer her the same amount of money they would offer to a man. And... I think that for me, that is something that I can personally try to influence, try to sort of educate them and let them know, first of all, this is actually illegal to say. And, and second of all, you know, open open up your horizons a little bit. And um, this is not how you should treat another person. But it is it, it's it's baffling to me that this is still happening. You have you know, you think, well. What, what's what's the deal with feminism? Women have equal rights. Why should we even care about it anymore? Like the you know, the fight is over. Women won, whatever. But it's it, it they they didn't. The fact that we're still having this conversation means that we need feminism more than than ever because there's still issues that are uh, underlying and and then need to be resolved. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating to hear about that because you don't. You don't apply for a job, you know, thinking that you're going to leave in a year to have a baby, right? Yeah. Women have just as many ambitions to succeed as, as men. 
definitely the, the fight is not over. The fact that it has to be described as a fight for something that um, should be a given. This is, mm-hmm. this is a, a human right. And if you have, have skills to offer, you know, whatever line of work you happen to be in, it's ridiculous that the fact that um, society puts so much pressure on us to um, re- reduce our ambitions because we might have children. And you never know what a person's situation might be. Um, and there are increasingly more men taking paternity leave, which is mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really, really awesome. Uh, on my own team, we recently hired um, two developers that are both female. And um, and I, it, it gets me really excited because it, it's just unfortunately uncommon, but um, I, I'm so happy that they they gave them an opportunity, right, to to come and work. But it sucks that I even think of that as giving them an opportunity. Like, it's again, it should be a given. They, we need to keep seeing that kind of be, behavior and uh, encouraging that. Um, but yeah, I think this the, is something. The, the, yeah. This is something you can do because you are, I think you mentioned to me once that you are a team leader, right? You lead your team. So this is something you can do, um, you know, not not to pick any favorites based on gender, of course, but you can give an opportunity to someone that would be dismissed just based on their gender. And it, this, is just, this is not just a conversation about gender. This applies to everything. This applies to religion, race, um, ethnicity, all those things um, that you can, as a person who leads a team you can actually influence i don't i don't lead the team um i'm not involved in in the hiring process for my team but i'm involved in a lot of projects um and i do lead some projects so in that uh in that case i do have an opportunity of of who i work with and um and how i uh, promote women in my in my environment so um from that perspective i take every chance I get to, to support them and, or not, not just the two developers, but um, I take every opportunity to, to highlight what they've done well and um, their work ethic and, and that kind of thing. So anytime I'm in a conversation with someone in, in leadership or senior leadership, which is mostly male, um, I talk about the accomplishments of the different people on my team, male or female. Uh, mm-hmm. just to ensure that people are aware like, and, and make sure that credit is given where it's due. Maria, I think we're running over time. This was mm-hmm. a wonderful conversation, at least as far as I'm concerned. So thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you very much. It's, it's always interesting to talk and think about these kind of things with a, a like-minded individual. So. Agreed. Yeah, Thank it's you. even more challenging and fun with someone who's completely up, you know, opposed to your ideas. That's true. That's true. It's a yeah. There's more of a rise that comes out of it. But yeah, hell <laughs> and rush. Anyways, <laughs> thanks again. All the best. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Authenticity Project. Check out my blog for further reading on feminism and gender biases, that is, if you're not scared. The Authenticity Project Podcast.blogspot.com. And until next time, keep challenging normativity.